And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps Post Game Show. Wrapping up your Toronto Raptors season as finally this horrible, horrible season for your Toronto Raptors has come to an end. My name is Sheldon Alexander. Thank you guys for tuning in once again to this, the Wrap It Up podcast, which you can find streaming live. And you've been rocking with us for what? This wraps up season three of the podcast and I'm kind of looking at this episode you know of course yes the Raptors lose this game this game will go down as a loss and I'm looking at this podcast not necessarily to talk about this loss to the Indiana Pacers but more so I'm looking at this to talk about this recap of a full season for the Toronto Raptors what went wrong where do they go from here what can we take away from this season that's how I'm looking at this. So I thank you guys for tuning in to this Wrap It Up podcast. You can find us streaming this live on Twitter, on Instagram. Like and subscribe to the YouTube page, which is at Sheldon Alexander on YouTube. That's how you support this movement. That is the Wrap It Up podcast. And everything else we do, not only on Wrap It Up, which is a show, but the On Blast podcast network, which is a network. So... I want to take your comments and questions, and the best place to do that, of course, is the aforementioned YouTube page, or if you are on Twitter, if you click the link on Twitter, that'll take you to Periscope. You can add in your comments there. On uh, on YouTube, if you click onto that link, the chat's right there on the side. I will get through and read the comments and questions, because there's a lot of things to discuss from this Raptor season, and... I kind of want to go over all that because here's the thing, right? Seven straight seasons of sustained success if you are a Toronto Raptors fan. Seven straight seasons. You can't take that for granted, right? We've seen the stats that since, you know, this seven-year run, basically it's a Raptors, Warriors, Spurs. Like, the Raptors are in the top five for records in the NBA in this seven-year run. That's something to be proud of. And not only to just say that, okay, cool, well, they had great regular season success, you actually get to talk about an NBA championship and a conference finals appearance, right? So sustained playoff success, just getting to the playoffs, that's not something to just, you know, just brush off. That's a big deal. And especially where you think of where this organization was before those seven years, you got to look back on this at a certain point and just be proud and tip your cap to Masai Ujiri, to Bobby Webster, to Kyle Lowry, to everyone involved. Because again, if you've been following this team for a while, there are a lot of years of trying to talk yourselves into some lackluster teams. So being able to watch this squad for seven years, essentially guarantee you a playoff spot can't take that for granted and the reality is when you have such a long run like that eventually it's gonna catch up to you and you're gonna have seasons like this where things just fall apart and if you think about it you know hey go back to the start of this season go back to our season preview on this pod I was here telling you guys I was kind of worried about this season that it could end up 
in a very bad way. And the toughest thing for me doing this podcast, heading into this, our third year doing it, was how to talk about this team on a consistent basis if I didn't think the season would go that well. And a lot of the reasons why, because it was very tough to talk about it, right? Because a lot of times what happens in this era of media is someone says something, hey, this is why I think this might not go so well. And instead of us, you know, having a nuanced conversation about it, it just automatically becomes a conversation about you're a hater, you think the team sucks, why are you rooting against the team, that type of thing. Instead of like the nuanced conversation about just what this team was facing. After you win the championship, right? The seven years, you build up all these assets. You push all those assets into the center of the table, culminating in that championship, right? You built up your bench mob. You built up all these pieces. You built up DeMar DeRozan to be able to get Kawhi Leonard. You built up your bench mob to be able to trade some of those pieces to get Marc Gasol. You built up Terrence Ross to get you Serge Ibaka. Like you made all these moves along the way while still replenishing your youth group, right? By making great moves to de to develop and nurture Pascal and Freddie and OG and Norm. But you do all that, it culminates in a title. And then the flip side of that is you win the title, but you had to get some vets to do that. But those vets move on. And so slowly, all of those assets that you had, you're now depleted because you were able to trade those assets away to bring in veteran presence. But once those assets leave, there wasn't anything to replace them with. And so my biggest issue going into this season, when I looked at this team, was depth. Depth was going to be a major, major, major problem because the strength of the team for so long was the depth. That's how you built up this team. That's how you had this seven-year run. It was the depth in your roster. So once you start to lose Kawhi, you lose Mark Gasol, you lose Serge, you lose Danny Green, but you don't get any assets to replace those guys with. And this is not a knock. This is just the nature of what happens in the NBA. This season was going to be tough. And so coming in with a lack of depth, then adding in everything in terms of you're not playing in Toronto, you're playing in Tampa, you have to reassess and move your whole team down south, you have to, you know, find them places to live, you need to find, you know, how are, you need to just get used to your surroundings. As mentioned a bunch of times, their practice facility was a hotel ballroom. You had to deal with all of that stuff, oh yeah, in the middle of a pandemic which we obviously know hit the Raptors and it hit a bunch of other teams too, but it hit the Raptors really, really bad. But when you add all those things together, there's just so much, there's only so much that you're going to be able to go through as a team, as an organization. And I bet you a lot of people top to bottom are just happy to see this season go and come to an end finally. Because if you're the Toronto Raptors, you look at this and you just say, hey, if we're going to have a season where we quote unquote bottom out, at least it wasn't in front of our home fans, right? You got to look for the silver linings. But again, the depth was the issue. And there are some calculated risks that were made. Masai was trying to hold back some, some uh, cap space in hopes of trying to get Giannis, who was a free agent. And we know now Giannis obviously ended up signing back with the Bucks, re-upping with the Bucks. But Masai 
you know, saved some, tried to save some cap space. He negotiated Fred's deal and held it in a certain way so that Freddie was going to make a little less next year, but then it went back up. That was too safe space for Giannis. He didn't want to give Serge or Mark a two-year deal because he wanted to save space for Giannis. And so once Giannis signs and those guys leave, now you're relying on, you know, the bench coming into the start of the season was going to be what? Chris Boucher, Norman Powell, uh, Matt Thomas, Terrence Davis. Like that was going to be tough. That's asking a lot from a lot of those dudes. On top of the fact now, you need Siakam, you need Fred, you need OG, you need Kyle, you need those guys to cook every night. And best case scenario, if those guys cooked every night, you're still looking at middle of the pack in the East. So it, there was just a lot to, to deal with this season. And so you look at what ended up happening and, hey, you just hope that the way that it played out, I know there's some people mad about what happened at the trade deadline because you didn't get anything for Kyle Lowry. Let's keep it honest, okay? Kyle Lowry... There were certain places Kyle Lowry wanted to go, certain places Kyle Lowry didn't want to go. If you're the Raptors and he is the face of your franchise, he now, you know, there's a lot of layers to it, but let's be honest, Kyle is the face of your franchise at this point, right? He is your legacy legacy player. He is a guy to get his jersey up there. He's going to be the GOAT Raptor, however people want to phrase it. You're not just going to trade him anywhere just for assets. So they were in a weird position. Kyle really wanted to go to Miami. If the trade offer, if Kyle, okay, Miami probably knows that as well. So is Miami going to be willing to try to give up a bunch of assets to get Kyle Lowry? No. So that falls through. I'm not really on the team of just giving up Kyle Lowry and just getting quote unquote whatever you can get if it's not an asset to help your team now or help your team in the future which what the proposed deal was, wasn't that at all. So it makes sense to keep Kyle Lowry. The Raptors, they tried to give it a go. And the reality was down the stretch, you know, you had Freddie banged up. You had Pascal banged up. Kyle was banged up. So at a certain point, you got to shut these guys down and you think about what's best for the future. And what was best for the future was to let Malachi cook was to let uh, Jalen Harris cook, let Freddie Gillespie, Kem Birch get more minutes, let them cook. And at the same time, you're resting Freddie, who was banged up and we know was dealing with the COVID issues. Same thing with Pascal, same thing with OG. And Kyle is going into free agency. He probably doesn't want to get banged up and play hurt or play through whatever injury he was dealing with earlier on. He doesn't want to do that heading into his free agency. So it helps everyone involved. Hey, shut it down. Try to get the draft pick. And now you're sitting in a position where the Raptors have the seventh best lottery odds, meaning you have a top seven pick, chances are, and you have a seven and a half percent chance at the number one pick. You take that, you can move up. Like, that's just getting the number one pick. That doesn't mean that you can't move up to, like, five or three. And you're guaranteeing yourself a top ten pick, essentially. And if you're the Raptors, you need that going forward. Remember, you got to trust your scouting staff. Trust your scouting staff.
able to do magic when they're picking late in the first round. Now you're going to have to apply that same trust in them playing where where you want to play in the top 10 of the lottery. This is a great spot for the Raps, right? You hope that heading into next season, you bring in this top 10 pick who is able to contribute, who is able to be a rotation player, and then you add that to Freddie, Pascal, OG, Gary Trent Jr., right? Kem Birch, Chris Boucher. You hope you get a little something spicy here that can at least get you rolling back in the right direction. Are you going to be back making noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs next year? For sure? Probably not. But you want to see steps in the right direction. And in terms of where your organization is at this point, the right move was to shut guys down and just guarantee that you're not falling further down the lottery spectrum. Because I know people are saying, oh, well, was it worth it to watch Kyle probably play his last game in the with the Lakers and not have people know when his last game was? Or was it worth it to sit all these guys just so you can tank at the end of the season? And I know people say that, but if you go through every single NBA draft, there's a big difference between what the 8th pick is and what the 7th pick is. Or what the 10th pick is and what the 9th pick is. Just go through any draft. So you're not going to tell me that it's not a big deal. The difference between getting the 7th pick in the draft or the 8th pick in the draft. You just never know. The more ping pong balls you get, the more chances you got to win and move yourself up the rankings. Which gives you a chance to add a player that can help your team. And again, when you it's not just one singular thing. It's not just, well, you didn't trade Kyle, so that meant that you should be playing and trying to get into the, the play-in tournament. You got to add all these things up. Kyle was banged up for a bit, then he comes back, then it's like, where are your play where are your what are your chances right now to actually make noise? Not to win the play-in tournament, but actually win the play-in tournament and then get frisky in the first round. How confident would you be in this team getting frisky in the first round and giving the Bucks or the, the Sixers or the Nets a go in the first round? That's what you really got to be asking yourself. And I don't think that even at the peak of the Raptors team that we saw this season, I don't think you had a chance to do that. So when you add that into Pascal, Freddie, and OG all dealing with COVID, all coming back and them still working through playing in a regular schedule or not, it's the right decision to shut these guys down. Worry about their health, let them fully recover, let them fully heal, and make sure that everything's okay while also improving your lottery odds. You add all these things together, it just made sense. From an organization standpoint, nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to watch their team lose. Nobody wants to cheer for their team to lose. But sometimes you just got to make the right business decision. Because look at this season, right? A, a tough start for the Raps. They, their first 10 games, they go 2-8. and eight. The next 24 games, they're 15-9. and nine. But then they get hit with all the COVID issues, and they go 1-13 in March. They kind of fight back. Get to eight and seven in April, and then in May, you finish one and eight. But overall, even that 15 and nine stretch the Raptors had, right? That's a small portion of the season, first off. Secondly, one of the biggest issues with this team that I feel like we needed to see this season, we needed to figure out this season, was the hierarchy of 
Who is the man? Who are the leaders of this team? And I know the numbers are a little skewed because you pick up Fred Van Fleet's numbers and his shooting numbers aren't that good, right? When you look at Fred Van Fleet's numbers this season, the numbers aren't that good shooting-wise. And part of the reason for that, and I've talked about this, and it's weird, right? Because, you know, you're going to have people who check in every once in a while to see what's really going on with the team. And you're going to obviously then have the people who are following night in, night out. And I'm saying this to say, I'm saying that to say this. Freddie, when you look at his numbers and you, you say at the end of the year, okay, well, he shot 38, basically 39% from the floor, 36% from three this season, right? That's not that good. That's okay, but it's not that good. I would counter that and I would point to the fact that Freddie's minutes this season, right? He knew that no matter what, he had to get to around 20 points for this team to have a chance to win. That just changes the mentality. It changes the mentality. At that point, you're just shooting to shoot because you know that no matter what, forget your shooting numbers. And this is kind of my thing that, you know, I always get kind of mad at when we talk about whether it's the Russell Westbrooks, whether it's the Allen Iversons, whether it's whoever, right? Like we've fallen in love with these numbers so much that we just forget about what the the, the operative of the game is and it's to win. So we look at Fred Van Fleet sometimes. We say, hey, his shooting numbers weren't really that good at all. And it's true. But he knows that he has to get to 20 points if this team has a chance to win. And you rather have him shooting those shots than, let's say, Stanley Johnson shooting those shots or Bembry shooting those shots or Aaron Baines shooting those shots. That was just the reality of the situation. So when you're looking at it from that viewpoint, Freddie shooting 39% for the season isn't that bad at all. But then when you... That's for the season. But when you look at the certain splits and you look at like, okay... The last 10 games, for example, or Freddie's last four games he played, he shot 35% from the floor, right? I'm looking at the same thing and I'm saying the way that he played, the way that he was shooting, he just had to do that. Now, the hope is that next season, everybody's healthy because the other part is you had a lot of games this year for the Raps where, you know, someone was missing. Whether it was Pascal, whether it was Kyle, whether it was Norm, whether it was OG, whoever it was, someone was missing. Meaning you needed to ask some of those other guys to do a little more. And again, that's taking more shots than they normally would take. So the hope is next season, guys are more healthy. The hope is next season, guys are a little more developed and matured and and solidified in what their roles are. So then Freddie's not out here taking some of the wild shots that he needed to take this year because he needed to get to 20 points a night. Maybe next year, if the team is better situated around him, then he doesn't need to take those shots. And then you're looking at it where, okay, well, maybe Freddie's averaging 17 or 16 points per game, but his assist numbers are still up there. His assist numbers are still doing well because you have other pieces that are there that Freddie can be the crunch time guy. Maybe Freddie can hit more of those wide open threes instead of always having to break down his guy and get to the basket and try to finish tough over a defender. And then the next question we get a lot is about Pascal because when Freddie shoots bad, people don't say anything. When Pascal shoots bad, everybody's got something to say. 
And what a season it was for Pascal Siakam, right? He started off this season, it wasn't good for Pascal. His shooting numbers were bad. If you look at, you know, the shot selection he had, it just wasn't good. It wasn't in the flow of the offense. And he had a rough go this season. His crunch time numbers weren't that good. The optics of his crunch time also wasn't that good. Like you could put together a montage of Pascal missing end of game shots and end of game turnovers. And it's not a good look. Add in Pascal getting benched, I think twice this season in the fourth quarter. Add in this is him missing a whole game for disciplinary reasons because he left the bench after fouling out late in a game. Add in the blow-up that he had with Nick Nurse, which, I mean, was a huge, huge deal when you really think about it. It was a weird season for Pascal Siakam. And I just spent a lot of time defending Fred Van Fleet, right? And here's a difference that I'm going to say for Pascal Siakam. Because there's, there's, there's a few things here. And, I, I, and again, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. This is just how I see it. Freddie showed that he is a leader of this team, right? Freddie showed that he is a guy to take the, take all the shots in the media. He'll come up and he'll give his honest take of whatever's going on in the locker room with this team. He took the shots in the media. He's a guy who's in the huddle, taking control of the team, doing a lot of that stuff. He's shown himself to be the leader of this team, right? He signed for the bag. Pascal signed for the big bag. Pascal now is looking at it and it was written at the time that Pascal was really upset with the fact that he thought the blame for the Raptors struggles this season, that he was getting a lot of the blame for that. And as if it was all his fault and not the faults of a lot of other guys on the team. And here's what I'll say to that. If you were worried about you getting a lot of the blame, if the team plays bad, don't sign the bag. You can't sign for the big bag and then complain that you're getting the blame when things go wrong. That's not how the game works. It just isn't. Because people are knocking Freddie and people are saying, hey, the season was bad. Freddie got to take some of the blame for that. Cool. But if you're Pascal Siakam and you're the one that got the bag, the big bag, the max money bag, and then you come back into the season and... You're not ready to go at the start of this season after flaming out big time in the playoffs last year, which you can't forget about that. So you flame out in the playoffs in the bubble. Cool. You come back this season. You struggle to start the year, right? Your shot selection's horrible. You're not giving it on the defensive end and the team is losing. Then you get COVID, right? Nobody's going to knock you for that. Nobody's going to, you know... People are going to take into account of how much that hurt the team and hurt Pascal and Freddie and OG individually. 1000%. But the reality of the situation is with the big bag comes big expectations. And Pascal Siakam, when you get that max money, people are expecting max effort consistently. And it's not that he didn't try. It's not about that. I think sometimes... Pascal gives off the vibes of he's just happy to be here. And trust me, I get it. 
right? Like the, the journey that Pascal Siakam had to get to this point to where he's making max money in the NBA. It's an incredible journey. It's an incredible ride. But I think that it becomes tough sometimes for the fan base when you see someone and you feel like, okay, like we're expecting more still. There's supposed to still be a climb here. Like the job's not done. Like, yeah, you cashed in for the bag. Cool. But we need the, the, the thought was there's going to be continued development. There's going to be continued growth. There's going to be a next level to your game. And I can say that with Fred Van Fleet, even if you say you thought his shooting numbers were down or whatever, I still think that you go comfortably, you end the season saying, you know what? I feel okay with him being the leader, taking the mantle from Kyle Lowry, heading into the next level of this team. There's a level where you're able to say, Freddie has showed us some level of improvement from this season to the next. And it might not just be about numbers. It might just be about being the leader of this team going forward. And that counts for something. When I look at Pascal, I don't think you can say the same. There's a lot of stats. There's a lot of games where you could almost predict where he's going to put up the big boy numbers. But in the big boy games, it was few and far between. And you wanted to see that consistent development from Pascal where he's able to put in work. And maybe some of it's on us as the people watching because our expectations were too much. Our expectations of what a max player is after you sign the max bag, it's too much because it's not his fault that he got the max money. It's not. I don't even think it's, Mas I think Masai and company were just in a position where they had to give him that as well. And you do it to retain the asset first off. But coming off of that championship season, there was no way you weren't going to sign Pascal to the max. It just was, that just was the situation that it was. And so the same way that we're able to give the intangibles to Freddie and say, hey, we see your leadership, we see your development, we see you taking guys under your wing and trying to develop them and work with them, and we see that as a positive, if we saw some of those intangibles from Pascal as well, instead of the sulking to the refs or begging for foul calls after every single play or, you know, leaving the team during during a game because you got fouled out and you'd want to sulk and go to the locker room, blowing up at your coach. Like those are all things that if you're the max guy and doing that, you better be putting up 30 a night. Because this is the thing. You could say whatever you want about Iverson. You could say whatever you want about Russ. You could say whatever you want about Kobe. But those guys, you know what you're getting night in and night out. You accept some of the negatives, quote unquote, because of what you get consistently night in, night out. So for Pascal, do I think that, you know, oh no, we made a mistake and it's over. He's never going to live up to the contract. No, I'm not saying that. I think it's too early to say anything like that. I think there's still a lot of time for Pascal Siakam to, to you know, regroup during this offseason, get back to his normal routine, figure some things out, settle into what his role is going to be for this team going forward. And like him being the max guy doesn't mean he has to go for 30 a night. It just means you need to consistently bring it on both ends of the floor night in, night out. Those are the keys for Pascal. And when I look at the rest of the Raptors team, I mean, OG, OG showed some stuff, right? OG showed that the development of his game is coming along. And you want to continue to see that develop. Chris Boucher, 
If I'm giving out a Raps MVP this season, it might as well be Chris Boucher. I mean, if not for that injury that he had late, he was the most consistent Raptor this whole season. He surpassed everyone's expectations in terms of what he was able to bring off the bench night in, night out. There's still some silver linings from this season. So the Raptors season comes to an end. Is this the last time we've seen Kyle Lowry in a Raptors uniform? Probably. But if this is the way that this ends, you tip your cap, you enjoy the ride, and you say thank you. Because that was a great, great run by the Toronto Raptors. And I'm excited going into this offseason. Super excited. Because you know they got to retool the roster. You know there's a draft pick coming in the mix. You know there's big decisions ahead in terms of Kyle Lowry, as we just mentioned. So all of those things added up. There's a lot to look forward to in this offseason. A lot. And then if you think about down the stretch, things that we saw. You saw that Malachi Flynn is a piece. Right? He can be a guy in your rotation. Jalen Harris, you're like, oh, okay, second round guy, yeah. You could have him around on your roster. Like, he looks like he could be a piece. Now, are these, again, are we talking about the Raptors being in the mix and being in the hunt next year? I personally don't think so at this current point. Now, if you tell me they're able to draft Jalen Green in the draft, if you tell me they're able to retool and, and boost up that roster a little, that bench in the, in the offseason, we could be talking a different ball game. But I like kind of where they are if you're talking about a rebuild. You're talking about you're not talk you're not building from zero. You have Freddie, you have Pascal, you have OG, you have Gary Trent Jr., you have Boucher. Those are pieces. And even with me saying those are pieces, those are also assets that you can use to do who knows what. And that's a good place to be. It's a very good place to be. So at the end of the day, if I look at this season and, you know, as mentioned, we started this season, you can go look it up. Our Raptors season preview, when we talked about it, I, I worded it in this way on purpose to try to save myself from some of the backlash. But I said, if the Raptors were to avoid the play-in tournament and come in sixth, that would be a massive, massive, massive achievement for this team. And people still rip me for saying that. But what I was trying to say was there was so much that they would have to endure over this season. And that's why I thought they this season would be a struggle. And so to pay attention to this year, the, the keys would be to look for the silver linings. And I can say Freddie surpassed my expectations in terms of, oh, okay, he's ready to take over for Kyle and be the leader going forward. He surpassed my expectations with that. Like, I thought, okay, yeah, Freddie's cool. I think Freddie can start. I think he'll be okay. But now I'm like, no, nah, I'm cool with him leading that squad. I'm cool with that. And people got to remember, too, leading the squad and being the leader of the team doesn't necessarily mean the team's best player. It doesn't necessarily mean the team's highest scorer. Like, that's not what it means. It means you're the one that sets the tone. And I'm cool with that being Fred Van Fleet. OG, if you're looking at a goal for next year, I think for OG, you want him to just be healthier. You want him to continue to, to develop his offensive game. That's where you're kind of looking for with OG and Anobi. Pascal, you just want consistency from him. 
if he's going to be the guy, you gotta consistently do it at both ends of the floor, night in and night out. Because the way that these max player things work, right? You gotta think about it. Either you're an elite scorer, or you're an elite defender, or you're a great two-way player. Pick a side. It's gotta be one of those three things. But it can't be, well, sometimes I get a lot of buckets. And then sometimes I get a bunch of assists and rebounds. Can't be that. And the tools are all there. To me, with some of the mistakes you saw with Pascal down the stretch in crunch time, it was a lot of mental errors, right? Like it's, he's overthinking. I go back to, you know, you, you miss a bunch of shots at the end of games, whatever, right? Buzzer beaters. Those are make or miss, whatever. Cool. But the turnovers and stuff, you know, running into charges, traveling calls and crunch time, that's all you're just thinking too much. And that, you know, you just get back in the gym, you get back to your reps and you take care of business. I'm not worried about that side of it from Pascal. I just think that overall people need to adjust their expectations in terms of what they believe Pascal Siakam, the max player for the Toronto Raptors is. That's all. But overall, it's a good spot. And, you know, this might be the end of the Wrap It Up pod season three for this season. But uh, we'll do some ball on blast pods where we'll do some draft stuff for sure. We'll have an NBA draft preview where I'll try to go through and and break down uh, different draft prospects who the Raptors might be looking at. We'll do that stuff for sure. Uh, I'll do some playoff stuff as we continue with the NBA playoffs about to start. So there'll be a lot of that stuff going on. And I'd want to say something here. I appreciate you guys for tuning in and rocking with us here on the Wrap It Up pod because you know what? We've been doing this for three years now. And one thing I'll say, I fully appreciate all the people who've been rocking with us right from the beginning when we were just, you know, streaming on IG or streaming on Twitter. And I like to thank all the people that have been rocking with us for three years. Like this has been pretty cool. And I'll be honest, the only reason we've been able to still do this for the three years is because of you guys continuing to watch and support the movement that is the Wrap It Up podcast and the On Blast podcast network. Because, you know, Whenever we were able to do something to, you know, help fund the pod, you know, whether it was the the Kawhi t-shirts or the, if you're reading these shirts, like you guys supported us. And that's the only reason why we're able to to continue to do that. And I'm forever grateful and forever blessed. And I, I posted this the other day because it was, we're coming up where we just passed the two year anniversary of the Kawhi shot. And I got in my feelings a little bit because the reality was that Kawhi shot does hit different for me two years later. And the thing was, you know, that season, someone said this to me. It was actually Mikey. Mikey said this to me along the way and it was, it always stuck with me. He was like, dude, it's so cool that you did the pod because, you know, you documented the run. Like, you know how you were feeling after every game. You can go back and watch that along the way, just what that moment was like. And it'll put you back in that place in terms of how you felt in that moment when things happened. And seeing the Kawhi shot, it it stirred up so many different things because it was like, first off, seeing 
all of those, those people together enjoying a moment, whether it was people watching in bars or restaurants or whatever, or the people in the building and hearing the roar of the crowd, like we've been watching sports for the last two years, but we haven't been watching that for the last two years, right? So there's that sense of like, oh yeah, that's what sports is. And then personally, you know, when I think of the pod, at the time we started the pod and, you know, shouts to Q, huge shouts to Mike, Foots, you know, Dunlop, Webster, anyone who's ever come on this pod before to to help me out and, and, and do this pod with me, like huge shouts to all of you. But the thing to me, when I see that, it's like, oh yeah, I remember being so unsure about doing this. And then, you know, the Kawhi trade happens and it's like, oh, well, now the stakes are higher. Now, to me, every game matters. And now they have a chance to, like, make some real, real noise and make the NBA Finals. And you had that, and it's building up, and the bandwagon is building. The bandwagon is moving. But that Kawhi shot, that, like, that brought everyone on board. That had everybody at the water cooler talking about it on that Raptors train. And that was, you know, I, I think I worded it as the first emphatic worth it moment of doing the pod. Because it was so much fun. It was so much fun, man. So I just think, you know, I, I feel like it's so cool to think about the fact that the, the, the two year anniversary passed and I look back at that and think, oh man, like that was a great time. I know I kept saying, enjoy these moments enjoy the the Kawhi being here enjoy it because who knows how long it's gonna last but also should have just said enjoy it because man you look now and where we're at we're still in this pandemic people still can't go to games you know there's no crowds anywhere and it's like the Raptors had the last championship right in the NBA in normalcy in normal times in which fans were able to go out and celebrate. Like, those street parties were incredible. But I looked at that two years, and I thought of everything that happened after that, right? And it's been a, a wild two years since for me personally and professionally and a lot of things going up and down. People riding with the pod know some of what I'm talking about, which I'm not going to really get into. But, you know, a lot of shit happened to give a lot of perspective. And a lot of that came back up when I watched that shot go in, I thought about doing that pod. And there are a lot of people that always wondered like, wait, why are you doing this? Why are you working on a show during the day and then coming home and doing your own pod? Like, why would you do that? A lot of people didn't get it, but it was just for me. Do you know what I mean? It was, I enjoyed this process of creating something, of developing something and, and trying something and having it work. And you know, pushing myself to do more, pushing myself to learn different skills. That part of it was so cool to me. And so I think career-wise, you know, I, I posted it on Instagram. I think about it career-wise, and here we are two years later, the very last game that I had this season for my new job was doing the opening for the Raptors game against the Clippers, <laughs> which was the day before the two-year anniversary of Kawhi's shot. Think about that. 
That's what hit me. All of these things hit me at the same time because I was thinking about back to that moment of sitting here in my basement, banging on the wall as Kawhi's shot went in and then me and Q doing the podcast. And then you fast forward and you go through all the highs and lows of, you know, the rest of that run and how incredible it was. Then you go through the world shutting down. I go, I think about myself having COVID and not being able to do the pod to start this season. We did one game to start this season and then I got COVID and missed like the next 20 games or so. Like that to me is insane, right? And you think about, you know, you come back, cool. We start doing the pod again at the same time. I'm applying for a new job. Uh, At the same time, the job I currently had with Tim and Sid, Sid's leaving the show. Like there's so, there's just so much stuff going on. There's so much conflicting stuff going on. And then, you know, I end up getting a new job and it's working on the Raptors broadcast. And then that last opening of the year was Raptors Clippers (laughs) the day before the two year anniversary of the Kawhi shot. It just made me think what a time. (laughs) And I guess, you know, the seven year run, the end of this Raptors run, this era of Raptors basketball, the end of the era of the Kyle Lowry Raptors, the end of, you know, this three year run of doing wrap it up, all of these things. I just want to say thank you. Anybody who's ever watched the pod, who's ever posted the pod, liked the pod, shared a pod, told their friend about the pod, watched one of the dumb videos, laughed at me for doing the videos. Any type of energy you've given to this pod over the last three years, I want to thank you. Because whatever that was, negative energy, positive energy, we just turned that into more positive energy. And I appreciate that. And... I've said this before and I'll say it again, you know, I hope too that there's a lesson and I've had a few people say this to me and I hope that more people take that if they're able to take anything from it. You're thinking about doing something, you're not sure about doing something, you're debating whether you should or shouldn't, just do it. You'll figure it out along the way. But you're going to waste so much time doubting yourself whether you can or can't do it that you should just do it and trust that you will figure it out along the way. It's not going to be perfect. If you look at some of the videos from the first things that we were doing, (laughs) right? I look at them and I cringe, but I always trusted along the way that I would figure it out. But I always also trusted that I knew why I was doing it, right? Three years ago when we started doing video portions for the pod, It didn't look good at all, but I knew that I would eventually figure it out. And even as I look at it now, you know, lights and, you know, I got the shoe rack and stuff and the the TV with the logo in the back and all that. Like, you know, we get money from YouTube and all these things that have happened over the past three years of doing this pod. I didn't know it was going to go like this, but I just trusted in the process. And something I've said to friends behind the scenes, I don't know if I've said it on the pod, but there's things that always stick with me. And I've heard, you watch the pod, you know I'm a Jay guy, <laughs> right? I, I, I sit at the altar of Jay-Z, Jehovah, Mr. Sean Carter, but I've also heard familiar sayings said by LeBron, by Kobe, by Russ. I'm saying successful people. You've heard them say time and time again that when you work hard, you're able to live with the results. 
because you trust in the work that you put in. And that sounds so simple, right? It sounds so obvious, but you take a step back and you think, yo, when you bust your ass and you work hard at something, you're able to live with the results and it's a freeing feeling. So that's why I'm saying, if there's anyone listening to this and I'm not talking about podcasts, I'm not talking about, you know, creating content. I'm talking about whatever it is that you want to do for yourself. Just do it. Because the reality is trust in the work that you put in and you will figure it out. If it doesn't come right away, just means you got to work a little harder. If you don't want to work harder, maybe it's not something that you actually really want. So thank you guys. Because again, if it wasn't for you guys tuning into this pod when the Raptors were winning, when the Raptors were losing, when Kawhi was on load management games, when, you know, there's mad injuries and Nick Nurse is juggling lineups, when we're on West Coast road trips, when I'm like blabbering my way through because, you know, we're talking about social injustice or we're talking about uh, Maasai or we're talking about Kyle getting traded or we're talking about serious things or stupid things or whatever it is. I appreciate you guys. And you guys are the reason why I do this. And, you know, I don't know what Wrap It Up will look like heading into next season. I'm not sure. Because I got to, there's a bunch of stuff I got to figure out. I want it to continue. As of now, I'll say that it'll continue. I don't know if it'll continue in the same iteration that it does now. But I do want you guys to be part of the process. So if you're listening to this and you've been rocking with this, let me know what you think. Let me know what you guys want and I'll try to figure something out for sure because this process has helped me so much. Like forget about talking about, you know, jobs and, 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 you know, whatever, you know, being able to figure out how to monetize things. Like forget about that. The whole reason I was doing this was for me mentally. I'm, there's a pregnant pause there. <laughs> And I don't mean it for emphasis. I mean it just to like, let it sit for a second. I needed this because I needed just to, you know, have some, let some creative outlets out, get out a creative, creative outlet, uh, let myself build on confidence, get more confident in myself, learn more skills, grow as a person, grow as a creator, learn some different things. That's it. And I appreciate you guys being along for the ride because at the end of the day, we're all like-minded people. We all rep the raps and that's what it was all about. I rep the raps. I rep Toronto. Whether we agreed or disagreed, we were all here on the same page, rooting for the same things. And we enjoyed this ride and what a hell of a ride it was. I'll always remember that championship run and it will always be made a trillion times better because I was able to share it with you guys. And so even as we end up on the other side of that and we head into trying to build it into something more, and I'm talking the Raptors team heading into the offseason, I look forward to that and I look forward to sharing with you, that with you guys somehow on this On Blast podcast network. It'll continue. I'm not really sure how, but definitely let me know what you guys think because this is your show. I've said that from the get-go. The Wrap It Up pod is your show. And I appreciate that. And I mean that. And I thank you. And I keep rambling. <laughs> but I mean it. I mean it. I've always tried to be honest with
the content that I create. First and foremost, I always wanted it to be genuine. I always wanted it to, you know, be how I honestly really feel, good or bad. And you guys have always allowed me to do that. You guys have continued to to rock with me while I do that, and I appreciate that. And I, I and I can't express the words enough to fully explain how much fun this has been. I wouldn't be able to watch all these games and talk to you guys without you guys. I mean, again, we started this with me. The hope was me and my friends sitting here being able to do that. And we weren't, we weren't been able, we haven't been able to do it for a while. Us sitting in here, you know, me and my boys, my friends sitting in here talking ball. We haven't been able to do it for a while, but because of the way that you guys continue to comment and interact with this pod Gave me the confidence to be able to do this by myself. Three years ago when I started this pod, at the start of that season, if you would have told me that I would be doing the pods like me by myself, just talking into a mic, I would have told y'all, y'all are crazy. I never would have done it. I never would have started it. I never would have started it. So to think that, you know, I wanted to just sit with my friends and talk ball, and then that developed into, oh, there's people who are actually watching and commenting live and I can interact with them and we can talk ball. And, you know, despite the fact that I can sit here and say, hey, I've worked in this industry, you know, going all the way back my rookie year, my first year working in this industry, I was doing court cuts and it was LeBron's rookie year. That's how long ago it's been. You know, I've been working on basketball shows, whether it was court surfing, uh, whether it was writing features at the score, whether it was coming over and doing the same thing at Sportsnet and now working on the Raptors broadcasts for Sportsnet, working on Tim and Sid for the past five years, creating basketball content, all of these things, me being able here to come and talk to you guys, just like I'm any other Raptors fan. Yeah, I might have more information. Yeah, I have more time on my hands to read and listen and consume, but we're just all sharing information. That's incredible. That's been the most fun. Because I think I know some stuff. <laughs> I think I got some takes. I think, you know, I won't say my predictions, but my thoughts on things. You know, I thought the I said the Raptors would at least make the NBA Finals when they got Kawhi. I said the Raptors wouldn't make it out of the second round last year. I said the Raptors would struggle to come in sixth this year, right? People are, oh, what else did I say? Last year, I was wrong. I said the Raptors would finish uh, sixth, seventh, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth in the regular season. And I was wrong. They came in, what, third or second in the NBA last season? So my point is, you know, I come here with the background covering the Raptors, covering basketball, but this was about just giving a platform to Raptors fans. And I thank you guys for letting me do that. I thank you guys for rocking with me. And I mean it when I say, send in your comments, let me know. Comment, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on you know Facebook, wherever you get this pod. Let me know what you guys think. Um, I guess I should probably read some comments or else this wouldn't be a fair... <laughs> fair because i always say this is what this co this pod is about and i've just blabbed for almost an hour recapping the season i guess i should read some comments to end right i think that would make sense huge shouts to our, our day ones our regulars uh glow girl smile dub c k2's garnett you know i see you guys all in the chat appreciate you guys for sure 
Dubsy says I loved court cuts. Who doesn't love court cuts? Court cuts was the best. Um, I was happy to like come in and be like, wait, I can actually like, they had that already established. And it's like, yeah, do you want to work on court cuts? And it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Sit down and watch every single basketball highlight from the past week. And we had this book. It's so crazy to think about. I'm going to make myself sound so old. So we had tapes and I would just watch, I'd bring in the stack of tapes, sit them on a desk, put them, put the tapes in, hit play. And I would watch every single basketball highlight for a week. And every time I would see something, I would write down what tape it was on, the time code, and I would put it a star. We had a star system. <laughs> and that's how what we would do. And then when I was done, we'd bring them in and we'd sit there with my boy Dino, Brendan Lynch, huge shouts to the Court Cuts OG. We'd log in the tapes and we'd enter in all the plays. Right? <laughs> insane insane man can't even think about it what a ride man uh what what do we got here glow girl smile says i remember you guys saying enjoy the ride with Kawhi during the raptors championship season that was a message enjoy it right because like when we we can't we couldn't i didn't want people to take for i didn't want people to take for granted the high level of talent that we were watching right like some of the my favorite Kawhi things, it's not even the championship. Like, we all know the four bounce. We know the dunk on Giannis. Yeah, cool. But, like, that game, there's a regular season game, Golden State versus the Raptors. I remember it was on TNT. The game was in Toronto. And Durant and Kawhi just went at each other. And Durant hit a crazy shot to send it to OT. Raptors end up winning in OT. But that game, like, watching those two dudes just go at it, it was like oh shit, we have one of those guys. <laughs> like, we have one of those guys in a Raptors uniform. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, More than a gaming experience says, brother, been lurking for years, listening and watching your content. It's hard to find good Raptors content, so keep this going. Appreciate that. I really do. And, and one thing I'll say, man, one thing I've always been open and honest about, I take in, you know, good comments, bad comments, whatever. I was never here for the, you only have to say good things about the Raptors or you only have to say good things about the pod. I was here to hurt, to hear whatever anyone had to say. So I appreciate those comments. I really do. And maybe this is a nice one to close on. And, you know, one of our, our go-to listeners, Glow Girl Smile, she says, and brings it kind of full circle. It's talking about Kobe who just went into... Uh, the Hall of Fame yesterday. Also, I guess I should say shouts to Chris Bosch, who will be in next year's class, which is kind of cool for Raptors fans as well. But maybe this is a comment to end it. But uh, Kobe's wife said in the acceptance speech that he always said, quote, bet on yourself. <laughs> Raptors fans shake my head, <laughs> lol. I think the point remains, right? As even we saw Chris Paul last week in a post game, I'm pretty sure I saw Chris Paul say, Fred Van Fleet of the Raptors always says, bet on yourself. And it's like, is this where we're at right now? Like, we here, Raptors fans. We here. Seven straight years. We here. So we hope this continues. <laughs> Portia. I see Portia. Portia says, 
loving you without the beard your niece says hi <laughs> that's a nice comment that's a nice comment hi janisa oh i see <laughs> what's up that's funny uh karim says Kawhi leonard chip run has also made fans delusional about the potential of this roster chill and enjoy fred siakam roller coaster yeah i mean the other part to remember is there's a lot of fans who just came on for that run or even like i remember someone commenting saying their son was like five years old so they've only known the raptors to be good right so think about it seven years of them being in the playoffs and being good if you're like 10 right you don't really remember those three years prior so you maybe start remembering and the raps are in the conference finals those of us who are a lot older than that you remember hafa rujo you remember tj ford and charlie v you remember joey graham right you remember Kobe dropping 81 on the raps. Like I remember that day. I remember I was doing plays of the week at the time at the score for score tonight. And we used to cut those on Sunday night. And I remember I was leaving and I stopped and I looked at the TV and I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? And then I just sat down with my jacket on to watch the second half of that game because Kobe was just going bananas. So my, my point is... There's been a long run of Raptors fans that have been through it all. And that's why I was so happy to enjoy doing this pod for those people. You know, yes, new fans appreciate y'all, rocking with y'all. But those long-suffering Raptors fans, those Raptors fans that I know were there with me trying to talk themselves into, you know, oh, the Raps got Jermaine O'Neal. Maybe this is the year. <laughs> but it's okay now. We here. And as we go into the next the next era of Raptors basketball, the official, I guess next year's got to be the official start of the Pascal, Freddie, OG era. You know, I mean, officially, right? Like them as the leaders of the team. I think this still is the Kyle Lowry era, the Kyle and Damar era. You know what I'm saying? But either way, we hope to be here in some form doing this to wrap it up podcast as part of the on blast podcast network so again i apologize the last wrap it up of the season we went over an hour long most of the pods this year are about 30 minutes long most of the pods this year i was talking a whole lot less but hey for one last go to wrap up the season i just wanted to say i appreciate you guys for rocking with this podcast wherever you did so whether it was on twitter whether it's on twitch instagram youtube or facebook wherever it was if you ever liked subscribed told your friends told your husband whoever it was told your peoples about this podcast i salute you i thank you i appreciate you rocking with this to wrap it up podcast as we finish season three season three of the wrap it up podcast thank you guys so much as mentioned no, we're going to do some stuff for the playoffs for sure. Still be on this feed. So like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure, remember, On Blast Podcast is the network. That's where you got Wrap It Up. That's where you also get the stuff we got coming up this summer. Because we will do some stuff on the draft for sure. Break down who the Raptors might take along the way. Also, you know, we still got You Killed It going on. Still got some other stuff that might be in the works as well. So stay tuned for that. I appreciate y'all. 
everybody who's rocked with us, everybody who's done anything at all to do with this podcast, I appreciate you. And I say this at the end of every podcast, not because it sounds cool, not because Meek Mill made it famous, but because I truly, truly mean it. I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up On Blast Raps Post Game Show, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On blast.